0: And we have a very special speaker this morning, a woman of great wisdom, courage, and wonderful compassion who has a brilliant message. Please welcome Reverend Connie Neeson. Good morning. Wonderful to be here with all of you. If you're wondering where Dr. Patrick is, he's just on his way returning from Brazil. So he will be back on the platform next Sunday. And I'm very honored to be standing with you here today. So if you are new, welcome. We begin our our service with a affirmative prayer. I speak in the I am because everything that follows those words when we say I am is fueled by all the power of the universe to come into form. So I invite you to take my words and make them your own or release what doesn't work for you. So take a moment and center yourself. Be where you are. Here, now. Let this space be your home in this moment. And as you breathe in, and breathe in the energy of life, remembering that there is only one source, one presence, one that is infinite, divine, intelligence, and eternally creating. No beginning, no end. Just always knowing itself. And in that knowing, a spark of creation is ignited. And that idea, that thought, becomes. And recognizing that all that power, all that intelligence flows through me, to me, and from me. I now take this as my moment to settle myself into that knowing, into that awareness, and accept what is mine. What is mine to do is to think my highest and best thoughts, to recognize the thoughts and the feelings, for these are the seeds of creation within me. I recognize that I co-create with the most powerful partner there is spirit in me as me through me and it is with that knowledge and in that confidence of that highest truth that I go forward this day knowing that everything I think do and say is inspired and guided resourced supported accepted allowed and released That there is a continual process, a divine circulation of giving and receiving in which I, in this moment, am a unique and intentional part of. We are all here because we are all a divine idea in the mind of God. So I release anything, anything from the past, the present, or the future that in any way, shape, or form limits or obstructs my ability, my thought to create only the truth. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for everyone who shows up this day to be my mirror, to be my reflection, to support this process, to support this service in consciousness, And in the physical world for I truly know it is all God it is all good and I claim it to spill over into every area of my life so I rejoice in this day and claim it by saying and so it is Hmm. so I've been contemplating my home lately I've entered that stage in life where the space in my home is more and more becoming my space. The children are almost gone and the one that's left well he's hardly ever there anyway. You know how we go through these ages and stages of our life and we accept stuff, sometimes other people's stuff into our lives, into our home. And and that can be fine. But for me, uh, in my adult life, uh, I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about, well, when I first moved home, I, I think I took most of the basement furniture with me. So it wasn't all mine. But it was good. I was grateful because, you know, that meant I didn't have to go without or spend money I maybe didn't have on, on stuff to put in my, in my home. That process kind of continued a little bit as I went through life. And uh, now I'm at this point where I, I would really like to have a home that reflects who I am and what's important to me. And so I've been thinking about that. And, and I'd just like you to, if you would like to, go on a little bit of a journey with me this moment. And, and if you like, close your eyes and just center yourself again. And just imagine what it's like to come home and it's not that you have to imagine your current physical living space you might and you might not and that's okay but imagine that feeling of coming home of opening a door and stepping inside and feeling welcome not just welcome but welcomed and welcoming, seeing things that please you, noticing the air and the fresh and crispness of it and the scent that is inviting you in and reminding you of something you love. Imagine hearing sounds that call forth images and feelings from your heart. Imagine your toes sinking into the floor in such a soft, inviting way that it just, that feeling just transcends into your body and brings that comfort and that support and that sustenance to every particle of your being. Imagine what it's like to feel at home to feel that comfort and support to know that this is the place your place where you feel loved and supported nurtured it's home That's kind of the feeling I'm trying to create in my home. And it's not that there's anything really horrible about my home. I just realize as I look around that it's filled with a lot of stuff that isn't mine, that's not serving me, and I'm ready to let some of it go. I thought maybe I could have a space for a workspace, an office space, a meditation space, some place where I could... Just sit down and immediately start creating and writing and things I like to do. But there's other people's stuff in my home right now. I've moved my parents a lot in the last year and every time they move it seems like I'm absorbing more stuff and it hasn't dispersed yet. My home sometimes feels like a holding pen for this stuff and sometimes I don't spend a lot of time there anyway so I haven't worried about it too much because you know, when you just kind of show up and grab a quick meal and sleep, what difference does it make? My challenge is that I I don't really have a big fashion or design sense, you know. Um, I appreciate the fine work of others and and I can think of many homes that I've been in and, and some were fit to be show homes and put on the cover of magazines, you know but sometimes walking into homes that are just so perfect mm, still doesn't really feel like a home. And there are other times I've walked into people's homes and the minute I step in, I just, I just feel like I know that person when I'm in their space. I decided that in my home I wanted to create a sanctuary and not a sanatorium. <laughs> so... I've been attracted to a book called Soul Space by Zoran Balbs and he was featured in an Oprah magazine recently he says where you live and what you live with are an extension of who you are your living quarters are a physical manifestation and we know about physical manifestation in this teaching of your emotional wants and needs a mirror of your thoughts dreams hopes wishes, and, yes, issues. It isn't just about the four walls, it's also the energy that you fill your living space with. In this space where we live, we hold all of our unfinished business and baggage. So the interior design of our home is really a mirror of our own interior design. We know as students of science of mind that our thoughts have power. Ernest Holmes has taught us that there is a creative process, that our thoughts are like seeds. They get planted into the soil of our being, which is our soul. And the soul, the subjective mind, the subconscious mind, simply says yes to our thoughts. That's the principle of it. That's the way it works. And the emotion that we attach to those thoughts is added to them and the experience that we have corresponds and matches with that thought seed that we planted that's the way it works that's what he told us so of course why wouldn't it show up in our homes whether we create something like our home intentionally or unintentionally our thoughts and desires Are projected onto the objects that we purchase inherit or collect and bring into our home and when we see them in our home they will often remind us maybe of a situation of how we acquired them so if we really loved it and had fun and it was perfect and we knew we could afford it and we paid cash maybe and all is good and when when we see it in our home we can look at it and enjoy it it's great But if it came to us in some other way, when we look at it, we might be reminded of those other things that happened, and it might not create such good feelings. If it sounds a little preposterous that we could create that vision that we just visioned a few moments ago, Zoran says and believes that we can make our home a nurturing reflection of our inner self, and it's possible for everyone. In fact, he says, it's imperative. He renovates commercial and public spaces and private spaces for people. He started in California, now he lives in Hawaii. And if you ever have a chance to Google him, his work is truly amazing. He says, in our revved up demanding culture, our homes are our greatest possibility of support. And when we are completely in love with where we live, then we can go out into the world knowing that we have that place to come back to. Now I recognize that not everybody has a space like I do that they can call their own. Sometimes we have to share our space with one or many other people. Sometimes our personal space becomes our vehicle, our car, or our truck or maybe it's our office space, or maybe it's a little bit of all of them. But he really encourages us to find that space in our lives where we can go and feel that feeling of being home and feeling that love and that nurture and that support. So I've been making a really conscious effort in my home to notice what's there. And one of the things that I've really been drawn to lately is this picture that I have um, on, the wa- uh, on the wall in the living room. And I must admit that um, I have a tough time making a commitment lately to hanging things on my wall. I've, I've moved many times in my life. And, and typically in my adult life, I don't think I've stayed in any one home more than five years. And my real estate agent is probably going, woo-woo, because I've been in this home almost five years. <laughs> And so the whole process of deciding what to hang and where to hang it and at what level and, and, and committing to putting that hole in the wall, I just, that process just bothers me. So what I've done is I've gone to Ikea and I get these little ledges that you can just hammer into the wall, you know, you can bolt them in, and then you can just rest a picture or anything on it. And it's so easy to just trade things out, right? So that was my perfect solution to my dilemma. Anyway... What's been sitting on this ledge in my living room for the past few months is this picture of a tree. And it's a trunk with branches. And on those branches, there are little green thumbprint leaves attached to the branches. Now, some of you will recognize what I'm talking about for it's the tree that um, was kind of my gift and and this community's gift to me at the time of my ordination last November. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to have something that I could take away from that evening that represented the community of people who have supported me in ministry and helped me live this dream because this truly is my dream job. And so this, this tree now sits in my living room and I absolutely love it. It reminds me, yes, of the people who were there that evening, but they are really symbolic of all of the people who have ever, you know, walked with me in this path of ministry. People I have sat in prayer with, people who have come to classes, people who who I've met. I mean, there's there's hundreds, there's thousands. And, of course, they weren't all there that night. But it's so lovely to have this symbolic representation. And... uh, You know, the leaves are all different. They're beautifully spaced. I mean, I couldn't have imagined this thing turning out any better than it did. There's... um there were the people just generously came up and, and uh, put their thumb in ink of multiple shades of green and and placed their thumbprint on there and it just worked out beautifully. There are big ones and small ones and multicolored shades. There's the little print of my uh, five month old great nephew. It's not a thumbprint. It's like the whole hand. <laughs> and and then uh, someone uh, very thoughtfully placed a thumbprint on the ground beneath the tree. To represent some of a dear friend who is no longer with us and and it just all seems so perfect that that everyone, past, present, and you know moving into the future is, is all represented there, and yet, on another level, the tree represented to me you know the the strength of spirit, the unity of life in, in the trunk and the, and the image of the roots going into the ground. And then the dispersal of the branches and the leaves, rec, you know, representing the, the diversity of life and how that, that unity and diversity is within all of us individually and together as a collective and then my oldest son said mom you know what are you gonna do with your your tree picture it's it's lovely like you know you're gonna keep it and put it up aren't you and i said yeah i'll I'll find a frame i'm sure it'll fit in something you know standard size and and he said mom let me make you a frame and my heart just melted and so he went home to vancouver island he had some cedar in his uh, pile of of wood and he hand made from these planks of cedar a frame and brought it back with him two weeks later for Christmas vacation stained it and built it and put the image in and so now I have this beautiful uh, wooden frame just the beautiful grain and stain of it it's just lovely and I and I love it and it just sits there and it's such a perfect reminder for me of uh, of something I truly love that's in my home, and so I've uh, been attracted to this this book called Soul Space, and just the name of that book, you know, brings me to that place of of remembering the creative process and and remembering what Ernest Holmes said about about the soul and that it is our creative medium and that. Um, Everything that we think, everything we believe, everything that we hold of value is stored in that soul space within us, in that consciousness. And spirit is a creative thing. It's always creating. That's what it does. It creates and it cre- because it responds to every thought and every idea by saying yes and bringing it into form. Now, of course in our physical experience of life forms have a beginning and forms have an ending but that creative process in the mind of god is a continuous thing and that creative process within us is also a continuous thing so when we have a thought and we accept it and we have that little emotional nudge to it It continues to create and manifest in our lives. When we bring an object into our home and we have an emotional attachment to it, regardless of what that emotional attachment is, that energy continues to create in our lives. And this is the point that Zorin is trying to make in uh, Soul Space. You see, there are many stories about creation. We're kind of a society, I think, obsessed with creation stories. And there's one that's quite common these days. It reminds us that our whole universe was in a hot, dense state. Then nearly 14 billion years ago, expansion started. Wait. The earth began to cool. The autotrophs began to drool. Neanderthals developed tools. Are you with me on this one? We built a wall. We built the pyramids. Math, science, history, unraveling the mystery. It all started with a big bang. So it says. I don't know if that's how it really happened. I don't know if it was really 14 billion years ago. You know, what's a billion years, give or take a few But I think about that process, that evolutionary process. You know, um, creation stories kind of represent where a culture and a people are at any given point in time and what's nearest to them in their environment. And our environment has spread out into the universe thanks to all the the, uh, satellites and, you know, missions to Mars and Pluto and who knows where. We know so much more about our solar system and the universe that we live in. And I think about this as the demonstration, the creative process of something unseen. Our universe is the evidence of that which is unseen, of a creative process that just knows how to do things in a divine and orderly way. So the story goes, there's a big bang. And then, you know, there's a planet, uh, not a planet, a star, you know, created of hydrogen. And over the course of billions more years, that star explodes and more energy is created, more pressure, more heat, and that hydrogen fuses with itself and it creates helium. And then billions more years pass, there's more stars, there's more heat, there's more pressure, there's more fusion. And then we have elements like carbon and nitrogen and oxygen. And does any of that sound familiar because those are all the elements that make you and me and that wasn't enough we couldn't live on just those first 25 elements and so then there were supernovas that exploded and created even more heavier elements like gold and zinc and copper and selenium did you take a multivitamin this morning because all those things that were in your multivitamin were created in a supernova at some point in time billions of years ago and so then the process continued and a solar system was created and another star and more factories to create these elements so that there would be dust whirling in our solar system that would come together and form planets Planets of hot molten lava rock that were too hot for anything, but they eventually settled over millions more years formed a solid crust formed a magnetic core of iron and nickel that would be the you know the magnetic force for our compasses and be the magnetic force to keep out the Sun's radiation and It was still too hot still didn't look like anything we could recognize and so There was steam in the air, and then it rained. And we're worried about snow this weekend. It rained for millions of years. It rained to fill the oceans and the lakes and the rivers for millions of years. And in those oceans that were created, there became an empire of bacteria. Bacteria. There are more bacteria, did you know, in each one of us than there are people on the earth? bacteria are so important to the evolution of us and these bacteria that were in the ocean that were taking in the Sun's energy they released oxygen and it was that oxygen that eventually created an atmosphere an atmosphere that plant life animal life and us as humans could then inhabit isn't that amazing it took billions and billions of years for all of that to happen there is a creative intelligence in the universe that had that idea and had the patience to create that so surely I can create a home that I feel loved and supported and nurtured in (laughs) absolutely And of course, there's no private good here. What I know for myself, I know for all of you too. So just saying. So I think that I am ready for a big bang in my house. I am ready to create a soul space. And soul space is not about how we decorate our homes. It's really about how we care for ourselves and how we create space that allows us to do that for ourselves. And I think more than, you know, creating something that looks good, what we're really looking for in home is that experience, that experience of feeling home. Zorin says that when we design our home, And you might think of the space you currently inhabit, whether it's one you own or rent or share or live alone in. When we design our home, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we plant our belief system into that home. Our desires, our wishes, and our issues. The things that affect whether or not I achieve my goals and dreams. Because we know, and certainly those of us who have been working and doing our spiritual practices and going through classes and whatnot, we come to understand that we absorb beliefs in our lifetime that maybe don't represent our highest truth. And all of those show up in our lives, and they show up in our homes. So we're charged with the duty of making a space that will create room so that we can imagine. So that we can imagine what it would be like to have this home where we feel this love and this support and this welcoming sense. Designing a space with a high level of intention and infusing every object in our home with that same level of intention. So reading this book and taking this in, I realize that I now get to emotionally dismantle myself and physically renovate my house. I get to underst- I understand the creative process. I understand what Ernest Holmes teaches in the creative process that our thoughts are responded to and create our experience. So now I get to use the belongings in my home, the forms that I have brought into my home, to investigate and understand the feelings and attachments that I have, and to expose and break down the old patterns that I have retained in my life and oh yes there are patterns so Zoran describes eight stages of conscious design he tells us that we have to learn to become the person we want to be it's a process we have to learn that sometimes yes we are supported by the experiences of yesterday and we get to be fully present and living actively today So the first thing he says we have to do is we have to look at the past. And I know that sometimes isn't fun. But it's really important to honor, even the things we've forgotten about, to honor the past. It brought us to this point. And let's release what no longer serves us, what we've carried for far too long, like some of those boxes and stuff. To become aware of the choices that we have made And decide which choices we want to continue making. So he has this eight-step process. And the first step is to assess. So the first step is to kind of walk around and look around my house. And look at all of the things that I have. And just simply notice and become aware. Become aware of my feelings towards each of these things. Now you can do this. Like I say, in your home, your vehicle, where you work, where you play, wherever it is. He says the idea is to take an inventory and determine what's in there that you love and what's just taking up space. So ask yourself questions like, which rooms make me feel the most comfortable? Which spaces don't I even use or go into? What's the first thing I see when I wake up in the morning? What's the first thing I see when I walk through my front door? What things have I outgrown? It's not about making a to-do list. It's simply noticing your strongest impressions and maybe keeping an eye out for hidden inspiration. And that one thing, that one single object in your home that really represents your deepest and truest style for me I think it might be my my thumbprint tree because it has so many levels of meaning for me and it's framed in this beautiful wood and it yes it reminds me of all of you but it also reminds me of trees of life of green things I don't have many plants in my home. And I thought, what's up with that? When did I lose all my plants? I think I want more plants in my house. I want more green. I want more life in my house. And see how it reminds me. And then there's that solid cedar frame around the edges that reminds me that I, I, I do want that solid framework for my life. I think that's my object. Next, it's time to do the cull, to release what no longer is required. To sell, donate, give to charity, give to friends, recycle, toss. For those of you who may identify with clutter, he says that eliminating clutter eliminates 40% of our housework. 40%, like I'm up with that, like Like, bring it on. I am willing to release housework, and 40% is a lot. He says, let go of things that are collecting dust. In the garage, in the basement, in the attic. I heard this morning at first service that I was doing well in my talk until I referred to the garage. (laughs) Because then he got the elbow in the ribs. (laughs) Get rid of that weight. That weight of all that stuff. Yes, it might dredge up emotions. Even an item that's valuable might make you feel crummy. Maybe that beautiful antique chair was given to you by, you know, some horrid old relative. And every time you look at it or sit on it, it just reminds you of the criticism and the negativity that spewed out of that person. And like, who wants to sit in that chair? So sell it. Let somebody else enjoy it anything that's an anchor to the past that we really don't want to keep recreating let it go likewise he says don't keep photos of people you don't like (laughs) if we don't uncover why we're holding on to things this was an important point I I just kind of noticed it last night as I was reviewing it's one thing to get rid of something, but if we don't know why we need to get rid of it, that emotion is gonna pop up again. So this is a process, and it's, it's one that calls us to be very conscious so that we understand what is the emotion attached to this object. If it's damaged beyond repair, if it's outdated, if it's useless, if it's worn out and shabby, give it the old heave-ho. If it's uncomfortable, if it's a scratchy old blanket or clothing if it's something awkward to sit in if it's tight pants anything that irritates and doesn't delight you let it go and what do you get to keep you get to keep the stuff you love I mean really really love and while this kind of emotional connection seems only possible maybe with expensive fine items It also applies to the everyday things, like spatulas and bath towels. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to use one that you absolutely love? I have a great one now. It's little, it's bright green and it's silicone and it's just so flexible and bendy and it works so well. I love it. Everything you surround yourself will either lift you up or bring you down. So let's surround ourselves with stuff that lifts us up. Appreciate the things you have. It's not about getting rid of everything. It's about about keeping what you love and really, truly appreciating it and deepening the connection to the thing and the people. That's how we live a soul-filled life. The next step is to cleanse. Once you've decided what you're keeping, he says, break out the polish and the vacuum and get to work open windows freshen up the place and clean clean your environment and while you clean your environment you're going to clear out the emotional cobwebs that are inside of you next we get to manifest the future we've now created space we've looked at what we have we've released what we didn't want we've kept what we wanted and we've polished it up to be sparkling clean now we get to manifest our future We get to dream, we get to discover, we get to create. We get to dream about the things we desire. We get to go into the world and identify them, you know, visualize them, vision them. Because when the universe sees and feels our dream with us, it reorganizes its whole self to match the consciousness that we carry of that dream that's how we get that support from the invisible when our consciousness matches the thing we want to create and desire and have in our life we are supported by the entire universe that's a lot of power and maybe that's what it took to create the universe in the first place and then we get to discover we get to go on little dates with ourselves And notice what are the colors, what are the textures, what are the sounds, what are the smells, what are the tastes. What do we want to have in our home? We get to take swatches of things and pictures and make vision boards and do whatever it is to help us dream the dream and get in touch with what we want to have in our space. And then we get to create it. And regardless of how big our budget is, how big our space is, we can make a plan, we can begin, we can do something, even if it's just moving the furniture around. We can do something to begin to create this space that we see in our mind's eye. And then we get to live in it actively now. We get to elevate that space by putting the finishing touches on it. The polish, adding the color, adding the vase of flowers, the plant, turning on the music, adding a scent to the air, bringing those elements that will tantalize our senses and nourish our, our whole self. And then we get to celebrate. Don't forget to celebrate. Invite people, friends, family into your home and, and celebrate this space with them even if you can't begin all the steps right away just beginning connects you to the essence of who you are and it will begin to transform you from the inside out so this idea of soul space is really a reflection of who i am what i love where i want to go and who i am becoming We know that when enough attention is given to anything the essence of what we have given thought to will eventually become a physical manifestation so we can begin here and now each home we live in reveals another layer of our experience and another layer of our soul and for those of us who have lived in many places you might identify with that understand the relationship of your physical space and the objects your emotional attachments and your limitations name them claim them then let them go free up the space in your home and in your mind for your life for your growth zorn says soul space is done at soul's pace many people left early the early service and said okay now i know i have to go home and clean (laughs) it's like you know what you just begin where you begin. And maybe you begin just by becoming aware. It's not about going home and judging ourselves to see our place with new eyes and then, then, you know, take that uh, invisible whip to ourselves. Because this is where you have been. And this is the stuff you've chosen to hold on to. And this process is really one that is guided by self-forgiveness and self-love. He closes with this affirmation that I'll share with you. And so I invite you to take these words and claim them as your own if you decide to begin a soul space journey. And it goes like this. As I begin my soul space journey, I will allow myself to truly see where I am living and who I truly am. I give myself permission to really see the space that I live in and the emotional connections I have to all the objects and furniture in my space. I wish to see where I am blocked and where I am free, where I am stuck and where I need to let go. Without judgment, I will heal my home and I will heal myself. I desire to live authentically. I am ready to live my dreams. My past is a part of me, but it does not define me. I will cherish the memories that serve me, and I will release the regrets that hold me back. Right now, I am consciously taking the wheel, and I will recreate my space as I connect with my higher self. And so it is. Thank you.